I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So hello and welcome to Charlton Live. It's yet another lockdown podcast for you on your Saturday afternoon. My name is Louis Mendez and we've got a packed phone line once more as we get ready to celebrate this week's takeover. And when I say this week, I do genuinely mean this week because there's bound to be another one next week, isn't there? Uh, the rate things go. We're going to discuss the ins and outs of everything that's happened uh, this week. All of the potential um, outcomes from, from, from what's occurred so far. We'll discuss... Potential insolvency action against the club that a former friend of ours has decided to to talk about. We'll hear about Roland de Chatelet's apparent reaction to what's happened. We'll try and find out a little bit more uh, about Paul Elliott, the new owner, apparently not the one from the Chuckle Brothers. So uh, we'll discuss all of that. We're also, of course, going to turn our attention to the football. We're now just a week away from the Addicts returning to action. We're going to discuss the rumour that's broken overnight that Lyle Taylor might have made a bit of a U-turn. So we're going to try and find out a little bit more about what's going on there. We're also going to hear, of course, from Lee Bayer and from Chuck Zanike uh, as we get ready to return to playing action. So let's bring in the people we have on the phone. In one, we've got the grand old man of Charlton Live. It's Terry Smith. How you doing, Tell? Yeah, morning, Louis. All good, yeah? Yourself? Yeah, not bad. You had a good week. You Have you taken over the club this week? I've sort of lost track of who uh, has and who hasn't. I just got beaten to it. I, mean, I feel like, like a contestant on, on a game, on a NAF game show. I just get in there too late. Do you know what yeah, I, mean? yeah. I was there poisoned ready, but just missed, missed my slot. Story of your life there. And uh, also, yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, also, also on the phone, we've got Mark, uh, Mark Newbury. How you doing, Mark? The chef. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Had a good week. So. Yeah, still halfway through feeding the twins. Wednesday... No, well, I owned it Wednesday afternoon between five ten and five seventeen. So... Oh, good. Well done. Well, in fairness, one of the more successful owners we've had this week. Then, uh, and uh, finally, of course, we should bring in Mr. Nathan Muller, uh, who's currently sat in the oven. Apparently, how you doing, Nath? Living the dream, my friend. Yeah, loving it, loving life. Nice, the sun is shining. Yeah, what are you cooking nice then? Because there was some sort of confusion just before we came on air that you were stuck in an oven. Uh, no, no, not not me. I've not decided to cook myself. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just cooking some some like chicken breast and sweet potato. Yeah. Literally nothing exactly sure. uh, exciting to tickle your taste buds. Yeah. No, I'm but... sure if you did cook yourself, you'd be absolutely delicious, Nathan. Right, let's oh, uh... flirt, <laughs> let's get. <laughs> Uh, into the action then. So this week it was announced sort of by the press on Monday evening. Uh, we'd, we'd been expecting like a some sort of takeover, exchange of shares, some new person owning ESI. Uh, and it was announced towards the uh, the beginning of the week that it's Paul, a businessman called Paul Elliott. Um, apparently this has all been organised by Tanoon's lawyer, um, uh, Chris Farnell. Uh, and all of a sudden we're owned by a man called Paul Elliott. Um well, that, uh, thank God it's all over, Terry, and we can all just go back to normal. Well, yes. I mean, I was half expecting them. You know, they've recreated these um, old game shows on the television uh, currently. I was sort of half expecting for Charlton to be one of the uh, of the prizes in the contest. Come on down, you know, guess the prizes, right? <laughs> uh, I, get it. I reckon it's worth a pound. You're in. Well done. Yeah, we'll just go, go, uh, 
going down on Jim Davidson's Generation Show uh, conveyor belt just behind the stuffed yeah. toy. <laughs> we were just behind the cuddly toy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, it's, I mean, we shouldn't laugh, but it, you got to, haven't you? Because otherwise, you just you just carry on crying. It's, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I did. I have said in the past um, on this very show that uh, my my thought was that this would be just a switch, and it, and my hope was that it was just to get rid of somebody. Uh, from the uh, from the Manchester area, it looks like we've got another one from, from that very zone uh, instead, uh, and and therefore then we could, you know, we could go onwards from this point, and that's still obviously everybody's hope, but it is just a sideways move that then we can uh, uh, we can go forward. But you know, with with then what's happened subsequently afterwards that the uh, uh, the court uh, the the writ or whatever you know somebody suing us because of, uh, of unfair dismissal or whatever it is, I don't know. Almost immediately afterwards. You know, the, the, if you're into your conspiracy theories, then there there are all sorts of possibilities. This mm-hmm. could uh, this could be part of. Uh, was it just all just a scam that, uh, uh, in, in order for people to make money out of uh, court settlements and and, and uh, you know writs and all this sort of stuff? And is that purely the only reason that anybody got involved? You know, who knows? I mean, it, it's just like a probably the worst Bond film you've ever you've ever had, isn't it? Mm. Even worse than that, that one with Casino Royale with um, David Niven. Mm, yeah, 007 in SE7. Um, and, and it's extremely confusing to work out exactly what's going on. I mean, we, we know very little about Paul Elliott at the moment, Mark. Um, I mean, that's probably the, the base where you want to stand from, the man who now is apparently leading this consortium or has somehow rolled the dice and ended up at, at the front of this consortium. Um, I mean, it's interesting to use the phrase consortium when you, you only know one person in it and all you know about him is he's got a desk and a laptop. Thing that's it for all of us, isn't it? Um, it's, it is it's hard to follow because, like you say, it's, it's, there's obviously a lot more to it, and he's a middleman for somebody. Um, and if it's purely just to stop someone in Manchester stopping any sale, uh, which I think is probably what it's been, is why the other court orders come out. Um, which, when when you look at it, it just seems like a liberty of. You know, invoices he needs paying for himself. I'm thinking, well, tell you what, mate, you can have a pound and you can collect it from the valley on a match day when we're back in there. Mm. And if you want to come and collect it, you know, I think that's fair. So, uh, but with this Paul Elliott, I say it is a bit of a mystery, you know, where the money is and what's happening with everything. Um, As to um, where it goes from here, um, I'm as in the dark as everyone else. I mean, anyone who goes on Twitter and say, I know, I know. No, you don't. You know, you, you don't know. No one knows. So, and that's where we are at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a confusing situation, Nathan. Um, and as Terry mentioned at the top of the show, there's there's always been this this feeling that the club was going to be moved on from Tanoon you know, for a low sum, for a pound that was being reported again, so that Matt Southall would only get 35p from his 35% of shares. Um, and then this new potentially Tanunamir friendly group might then start to move on. I mean, that that's why it's hard to read exactly what's going on behind the scenes. We know that Peter Varney said he's still interested in having conversations with, with Paul Elliott, and maybe we'll come on to that a little bit more in, in more detail later on. Um, is that how you see it? I mean, there's interviews with Paul Elliott where he's talking about the future for the club. He's not in it to, to make a quick buck. But I guess if you are in it to make a quick buck, you're, you're highly unlikely to come out and say that you are. Well, no, exactly. I think, um, also when I first saw the um, all the rumours and all that sort of jazz, 
I didn't really read much into it because I've said it on the previous podcast, so I'm just a bit bored of it, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, um, I really ought to stop getting you on for this bit. <laughs> but I thought it was the old footler. <laughs> you know, it, was, it, was only, it was only when I saw his picture on the website the other day, I go, yeah, he looks a little bit different than I remember. But, uh, <laughs> did you really go all those that long? Because, <laughs> I mean, as soon as the name came out, I did think, because I know Paul Elliott had been linked, but then like even the quickest Google showed it wasn't him. So I just assumed, I was like, okay, oh yeah, at least it's someone coming in, you know, and that's when I thought it was a Peter Barney thing, so like, yeah. I was like, okay, okay, cool, yeah, leave it, and then it's the thing come out, and I, was, I remember seeing, like, who's this geezer then, who's this, who's this chap on the, behind with a flashy mouse, I don't know who this is, <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I think the thing with me, is like you were saying, the thing that I'm always dubious of is, is even when Roland and stuff come in, unless you have an affiliation with a club, you're always going to question what the motive is, and the motive is 99% of the time due to money I'm not saying if we get Peter Varney it's not going to be motivated by money because obviously you know people want to return investment but I don't even know this chap is I mean does he live in Manchester as well I mean because it just looks like it's it's literally like if it's just like him getting his mate from down the blooming nag's head after drinking a couple of fosters go do me a favour please Paul can you take ownership of this for a minute I've got to sort a couple of things out and then we'll agree it's sweet, and then I'll buy you a beer after. That's what it seems like. Mm. But I mean, I don't know if it is going to be a vehicle for, you know, Varney or whether. I don't know, because, again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know. But it's just weird. But all I will say is the statement that he said, there was a few snippets in there, which he seemed very open to future investment or bringing in other people who know how to do the role, which I found was interesting. I've never really heard that before. It's like when Sheikh Mansour went over at Man City, he didn't come in and go, yes, I'm here, but uh, yeah, any more investment would be, you know, be welcomed uh, or I'd look at it and all that. It doesn't happen and that's why I just think I'm not going to get excited for it. I'm just going to concentrate on the football, but um, I'm, I, I'm just confused by it all, mate, to be honest, and yeah. it's just boring. Yeah, it sounds like, and you also made quite the accusation there that people might have been drinking in a pub recently. Um, but... <laughs> The, um, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned then that, that Paul said he was open to investment. He said in, in, on the club website, if someone wants to come along and put money into the club as an investment, then the door is open and we are willing to speak to people because it is what the club needs. If someone can do a better job, then I am happy to work with other people. So, I mean, I mean they've, they've made it clear that apparently it was him and his mates who put money in to pay the wages last month, Terry. Um, but, I mean, again... look. Without knowing much about the bloke, when you Google him, like you, you're not sitting here thinking, "Oh, this is a bloke who's, who's getting ready to finance a, a promotion challenge." I mean, this feels this does feel very much like. I mean, we don't really know what this guy's wealth is and who's behind him. It does feel again temporary to me. It doesn't feel like it's got any real substance behind it. And I, I haven't been proven wrong. I haven't been uh, proven wrong in that in that respect so far at all. True enough, but um, mind you, if he does drink down the next head, then uh, he's okay by me, uh, especially with... I want to find out where this is and bust him to go out for a pint. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it is a bit... Well, I wouldn't say concerning, but it is a bit strange when you know all the get-out clauses are there in the opening, the opening statement, even before he's, uh, he's got his feet under uh, under any table, let alone, uh, let alone the valleys. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we... I said it on, and I'm sure other people have said it as well. Either the, uh, and I've mentioned it earlier. The the hope is that he's, he's an intermediary, just to be there to to be able to shift ESI sidewards to enable the other regime to disappear. So then to be to be then sold on to uh, to the to people who actually know what they're doing and, and can and can move us forward. Having said that, even if that is the case, they've still got to deal with um, 
uh, our friend in Belgium, which uh, which is a whole new ball game, and a whole different one as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's uh, that's almost the best case scenario. The worst case, of course, is that uh, it's all just been a front for for people making a, a, a quick quid. Uh, and we really hope that's not the case. I mean, nobody knows who, who this Paul Elliott is. I mean, as you say, everybody assumed immediately it was uh, our, our centre half of, of uh, years gone by. Or the the, the, the one of the Chuckle Brothers that's still alive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we're getting to the point now where the Chuckle Brothers probably would have been a better option. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, he's a football man. He goes to Rotherham every uh, week, doesn't he? Well, there you go. Um, but nobody knows. And that, you know, I don't know if that's deliberate because um, you know everybody's been desperately searching to find out you know what Paul Elliott's background is and does he have any money. I'm not entirely sure why you'd bother because if, if even if the best case scenario is true, then he wouldn't. He'd just be there to uh, steady the ship. Maybe he's taking a loan out to, to pay the wages, knowing that he's going to get some money back when when it does get sold on. Mm, yeah, interesting line in his. Uh... Uh, original interview about how he's not in the club to take out money and cars and stuff. Nice little dig there. Um, well, he's got two uh, that he can claim, don't he? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. a lovely flat going as well if, he, if, he, exactly. if, he's, uh, if he's desperate for, for somewhere uh, to go. We had we had the emotional, of course, goodbye uh, from Tanun Namir, Mark. And I, I dare say you had a, a tear in your eye uh, when he was talking... Uh, saying uh, I've made a difficult decision having rece- received advice and listening to fans' wishes to hand the club over to a consortium that will have sufficient time and be in a position to take the club forward. And I want, would like to reassure you that I have at all times sought to do all that is right for our club and its fans. Uh, I have made the decision to ensure the club is in the best position to move forward and re-establish itself into football's elite. And, uh, I, I don't know if I'm just jaded by the whole situation, but when he started talking about Charlton re-establishing him, uh, themselves within football's elite, I thought you're taking the piss there <laughs> after that because come on. Yeah, it did seem like at the end of a statement he would then go. Plus, I've got five magic beans. If anyone wants to buy them, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a it's a scam. It's it, it's just, I mean, I think we, we've, the word chances have been used predominantly for the last couple of months with this lot. And, you know, he's probably looking to do something. I wouldn't be surprised if it, it comes out in a wash that there wasn't a big bust up between him and the other one. And if they've got, because I said, there's five, five Range Rovers, three have been returned, two are missing. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's driving around in one and mm. someone else in Manchester's driving around in the other one. Mm. Um, it's it, it does seem like an odd statement to put out. Yeah. You know, he turned up for one game, had the waves, had the accolades, and then said, "Well, I'm not going to put any money in to you." I mean, oh, I've taken this difficult decision. Thinking, mm. no, you haven't. You've been found out that you haven't got something a pot to pee in. You know, and you're, you're trying to get as much as you can out of being the middleman for a couple of months. And, you know, the only thing about this is that Terry says about, you know, Wales Rowland kind of deal with it. I'm thinking this must be driving him up the wall, which I'm thinking, you know what, actually only small bit of pleasure I derive from all of this fiasco which is going on. Yeah. Thinking if he'd done the right thing years ago and sold it at a rate, proper price that it was worth instead of trying to get, you know, be a huge businessman and double his money, um, it, it would all be over, it would all be finished with, but you know, he decided to try and hold out, a couple of chances came in, blinded him with magic beans, and so, you know, rolling, sitting, steaming is probably one of the only few things which keeps my blood pressure down. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as you can see, yeah, the, the confusion surrounding the entire situation has left 
people really wondering what exactly is going on behind the scenes, and it, and it has proven uh, very confusing. I mean, Mark mentioned there uh, Roland du Châtelet. Of course, we know that there was this fifty million uh, deal to buy the the stadium and uh, and and the training ground off Roland uh, to ESI. Now, soon after the the the, the shares were, were moved on to Paul Elliott and his consortium, whoever they are. Uh, ben Ramson from Sky reported uh, that Roland was furious and that the, 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 the makeup of the deal between ESI and Roland meant that now Roland can call in that 50 million straight away. Um, Nathan, I mean, if that is the case, <laughs> got a horrible feeling he's going to be left rather disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you're calling on, uh, you know, trying to call 50 million from a club, you know, they said that was worth. He, he knew what was in the bank and he knew the revenue streams and he knows it hasn't got it. Um, but, I mean, obviously, with part of the deal, I, I, I can imagine you know, he's obviously a bit furious because he's done all this negotiation with ESI and all of a sudden we've got Tom, Dick and Harry who's turned up and uh, and he doesn't even know they are. So he doesn't know if he's 50 million, if he's actually going to get it. So he actually might think he's getting shafted. But I don't know, we'll have to... Um, He's he's only got himself to blame for that, though, surely, Nathan. I mean, he's put himself in this situation where he's agreed a, a, you know, as Mark was saying, he's he's agreed a deal with people who don't have money. You know, his greed got the better of him, and he and he um, decided to try and get as much money as possible without really checking that the people he's dealing with are going to have access to those funds. Oh mate, yeah. Oh, listen, there's going to be no suit. if Ronan don't get his fifty. If he if he only gets fifty pence, I'll be cracking up. Honestly, it'd probably be the best day of my life. But I think that he just. I think it goes back. So for me, the whole thing with Tanoon when he said Tata was like if he really wanted to, if he really had the ambition of what he said at the beginning and all that, then he would have made a way that he could probably still stay and maybe try to win the fans over. So in my opinion, I don't think that he's got the money that he says he has or the money that he has got, he knows isn't going to satisfy the EFL, which, whatever way you want to look at it. So, for me, I mean, I don't know if, obviously, <laughs> if it is the case, if Roland's been sold this dream and he's been... <laughs> it's actually quite funny thinking about it, really. If we say, yeah, this geezer's absolutely minute, look at him, and Roland's rubbed his hands going, yeah, I'll have that 50 million, yeah, lovely, jubbly. And then all of a sudden we go, nah, sorry, mate, uh, change of plan. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later... He's going to be fuming, but there's, yeah. there's nothing. There's no sympathy for me. Like I, I love that. According to your, own, I love that. According according to your impression, that Roland du Châtelet comes from Peckham, and uh, <laughs> and by the sounds of it, Tanun Namir does as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Terry, uh, I mean, one one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is, of course, uh, the new ownership have have yet to pass the EFL uh, ownership and directors test. I mean. That again, that's something we could have said on every show for the last six months because every owner we've had since then, third third owner this year as well, it's crazy. I mean, it, yeah, as long as he's got, as long as they got an R in their name, they should be alright. I mean, that's how it works. Yeah. So, um, cause, oh, look, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're bothered. To be honest, if uh, if they can hand it across quickly enough, it won't matter. Mm. Uh, if, if that's what the end game is, I don't, and I don't think anybody knows what the end game is, of course. It does smack yeah. me, and you know, listening to all the boys. Uh, I mean, personally, I think it's to Chatelet trying not necessarily greed, just trying to uh, get back what he what he lost because of his mismanagement, because of an utter cock up from start to finish. Mm. That he's had to plough into money into a loss making business because he hasn't run it properly, and he's trying to get that back, uh, probably for um, pride more than anything else, rather than greed, because yeah. uh, he probably wouldn't 
you know, he wouldn't lose sleep over fifty million going missing. He's probably actually probably had his shares wiped out by that much in in the last um, last couple of months. And yeah. the other two, it, you just get the, you know you get the feeling it's like two guys fighting over a steering wheel when neither of them have actually got a car. <laughs> it, 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 because it doesn't look like either of them made any money. Um, yet they were trying to fight over ownership of a club that, that needs what, what they're saying about ten million quid a month to to, uh, to operate with. Not ten million money, a quid. Not ten million a month, surely. Uh, sorry, a million a month. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was going to say. Uh, Ten million a year, roughly. Yeah. Um, unless that your, so, unless yeah. that's yours and Greg's wages for commentating. Well, yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to mention it. Obviously, <laughs> uh, we've, we're, we're the ones who got that car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if, if if you haven't got any money and you know that how much it costs to run the club, even just to stay uh, you know, with your head above water, mm. how, how does that happen? You know, yeah. how, do, how do you then how do you then operate? How do you then go go ahead with with any sort of business mm. plan well, if you know you haven't got the money yeah, to run it? Yeah, so, exactly, it, and and that's why it's interesting because of course, and I know I wasn't the only one. I did put in an interview request. Uh, to speak to Paul Elliott this week, but my understanding is he's not going to be speaking to anyone until uh, the the EFL test is passed. Is is what I've heard. Um, but of course, that does mean we're in we're in this little uh, this little space in time now where he hasn't passed it. But also at the same time, we haven't really been able to stick too many questions to him um, and, and maybe put him on the spot slightly to find out a little bit more about what he what he actually wants to to do with the club or what his plans supposedly are. Well, we're getting that uh, unless he's got a criminal record, passing the fit and proper persons thing will be easy. Mm. You know, you get the, you get the impression that uh, as long as um, uh, that, uh, as I say, there's no, there's no skeletons in the closet, then uh, fit and proper is fine. It's the proof of funds and, and money is the is the second issue and the bigger one, which takes a bit longer than to, to so you can then pass the fit and proper uh, directors test, owners and directors test. And then the second part is the, is the funds, proof of funds, which then takes another, or usually a couple of months, by the way, this is uh, the past is anything to go by. And by that time, I'm hoping, or they're hoping, I'm guessing that uh, they've got somebody with money that either comes in and puts money into a club and says, right, we're going to be shared ownership, or just takes it off their hands. Yeah. I mean, you say it takes a couple of months. I mean, my understanding was that we, we were put under a transfer embargo after 10 days because you have 10 days to prove it to... Uh, the EFL, so it shouldn't take a couple of months. It should be doable in ten days. You should have this, uh, th- this prepared. But obviously, that that hasn't been the case uh, yet. Uh, I mean, Lee Bayer did make some comments about the takeover. Uh, Mark, he said, uh, you know, and Paul Elliott, he said, uh, by the sounds of it, he he, he sounded pretty positive. He, he described it as a positive change. Uh, he said he spoke to Paul Elliott um, before it became public, which was a nice thing to do. Um, and he was. I think his main concern was was the wages being paid. I mean, um, you're not you're not going to hear much different. You're not going to hear much different from Lee Bayer at this time, are you? No, I mean potentially, I'd say with the Paul Elliott thing, he may have um, an investor lined up who's saying, "Look, I'm willing to invest if you're still in the championship next season, because that gives us a bigger base." You know, potentially more money coming in, and so he doesn't probably want to. Sh- he's not showing all his cards at the moment. If he turns around and says, "Oh, I might have someone," but it all depends on you know if we stay up. It puts pressure on Bose and the boys. Um, I think the way it is, you know, obviously Bo is going around doing his day-to-day job. So, you know, with the coaches and the players, trying to get them focused on just one thing, and that's playing football, which is what you expect from Bose and Jacko. Really, um, they're, they're not going to be going. Oh, you know, why aren't we being understand? Right, you know what? We're football managers, we're football coaches. We get the players playing. That's all we can do. That's all we can affect at the moment. 
and staying up, staying in the division is the number one priority. You know, that's their main focus. I mean, it's good if he's spoken to Paul Elliott, but I should imagine Elliott's probably said to him, you know what, I can't tell you much, but, you know, it's imperative that we stay in this division, which Bowyer knows anyway. So, you know, there's, there's not really a lot else Bowes can do about it. And I, I wouldn't really expect anything else. I think he's always been, you know, he's got one eye down the road on where he wants the club to be going, but he also understands that he's got to deal with what the situation is at this very moment, which, you know, his focus will be who's fit, who's going to be playing at Hull. Mm, well, yeah, that's uh, that's always been his mantra, isn't it? He can only control the things uh, that he can control. Now, Nath, of course, uh, we, we talked about Peter Varney and Andrew Barkley last week. Um, uh, you know, Varney's been in the press a, a bit this week saying he's, he, you know, he's, there's still a chance he can progress. I mean, one interesting bit was where Paul Elliott said he's open to like a CEO and more investment coming in. So, I mean, you'd be surprised if Paul Elliott would stick around if with Varney. You'd think Varney would want sort of to, to do things on his own, but that's just the way I'm guessing at the moment more than anything um there, there's still hope and that that probably helps to add fuel to the fire of people thinking surely this is just you know some people taking the club off to noon cheaply to screw over Matt Southall uh, and then moving it on to someone who's a serious bidder who is going to uh, reunite the stadium and the training ground with the club um and sort out the ex-director's complications as well and then look to take the the, the club forward and run it properly yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, it's, if, if if the rumours are true that, um, well, not the rumours that Peter Barney has come out and said that he's in, he's going to have talks of that. But I mean, for me, the key would be what Varney would see himself as because he doesn't seem if he came in as a uh, as a CEO, say for example, it's not going to affect Paul Elliott. And if it is Andrew Barkley who puts the money in, he might not have the time to be a chairman, or so he could just be maybe an investor, so to speak, like he puts the money in and he'll get a return or whatever and then you've just got Paul Elliott who's I mean if, he, if uh, Varney does come in all it might mean is if he comes in as CEO and Elliott's chairman he might not have to do much he might just do just to be the name as a chairman and Andrew Barkley would just be the main investor which could work um, but I guess we just have to wait and see um, but I mean he does gear towards uh, that it was a vehicle just to get someone else in but again if, if, if Barkley does invest like the chaps were saying, it was like it, it might depend on on what division we're in, really. Um, but it's hard because you don't want to put Bose and that under pressure. Mm, yeah, it's such a such a fluid situation with so many variables going into it at the end of the season, of course, where, where we're going to be in terms of division. Um, whether Roland du Châtelet is going to be open to renegotiation possibly might be a big part of that uh, as well. Now, I mean, the final thing that, that caught a little bit of the attention this week Terry, we probably ought to mention it. Um, Matt Southall is uh, got involved again, as he can't can't keep himself away, can he? Um, so <laughs> uh, apparently, he's going to put some sort of high court insolvency action against the club um, for a seven figure fee, which is uh, a lot of money. <laughs> um, uh, and th- th- this is, I mean, this is the bit that made me laugh most about it is that Matt Southall's. Uh, his age, his uh, his lawyer is called Paul Daniels because um, I mean, he's I, I thought he was dead, but then well, he's a magician, so he could have just magicked himself back alive. Um, and he's saying that uh, that Matt Saffer was beat, uh, was uh, treated blatantly, unlawfully, and wrongfully dismissed in breach of contract. Uh, substantial claims are now in process against the club, which will be vigorously pursued uh, if they are not resolved amicably. Uh, amicably. <laughs> 
Sorry, it's been a long week. I can't. I can't speak at the moment. Yeah, you know. You know the word I mean. Um, oh, and the, the club have come and said. Uh, uh, Chris Farnell has said they're aware of uh, Matt Southall's uh, claim, alleged claim, uh, which we feel is entirely misplaced and ridiculous, and it will be vigorously defended. It is our intention to bring proceedings against Matt Southall uh, and others arising out of his short tenure uh, at the club. Uh, in the recent past, too much has been paid out in public, which is not professional and unfair on the Charlton fans. And with this in mind, we'll be not be uh, making any further statements on this matter. But Terry, I mean, you feel free to make a statement on the matter yourself right now. <laughs> oh, there is so much you could say, isn't there? I mean, but uh, most of it would be bleeped out. The, uh, as it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Either uh, this is a desperate attempt from uh, from our friend Southall to to get some money out of the club uh, because he thought he was going to get more from his thirty five percent shares, and so he's desperate to to get something. So uh, he might not he might not expect to win, but most of these I think uh, end up in out of court settlements, and it never goes to court. It's uh, they they agree a mutually agreed. Uh, out of court settlement, they'll never see the light of day because they're all non-disclosure agreements, etc. So you'll never know. And I suspect that's uh, if if it's purely um, Southall trying to just get something out of what he thought he was going to get originally, then that's what will happen. Worst case scenario is that this was all part of the original game, and uh, and it'll actually tip us over the edge of the club because if uh, if we get relegated, uh, if there is no funds, uh, then the EFL will almost certainly dock us points anyway. Uh, because we can't fulfil fixtures, because we can't uh, we can't pay players, uh, and as I say, this is worst case scenario. Then you know the, the insolvency agreement tips us over the edge, and the, you know they all pick the bones out of what's left. Worst case, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's you know stuff of nightmares. But you know what uh, what other what other reason would these people have to get involved? And that's that's the uh, the only way we all know that's not true is if either Mr. Elliot. Uh, comes uh, comes good and with a, with his consortium and actually has some financial backing, or uh, hands it over to somebody who has. And even then, you know, everybody's talking about uh, uh, the, the, the trying to get on with the Chatelain stuff. But you know, there's no way on God's green earth anybody's going to pay fifty million for for us. It's just not going to happen ever. And so, unless he's willing to take a haircut or unless uh, there's an agreement can be made, anybody who's half decent, as they already have, will walk away. Uh, and that's the uh, again worst case scenario, nightmare scenario. Mm, yeah, I mean the, the, these sort of layers of of uh, complexity with with the clubs are similar to what you saw at Berry, and it ended up putting people off. Um, I mean, I know Berry had some, some issues with, I think, with the, the ownership of the stadium as well. But Mark, I mean, when when you see something like this, I mean, do you hope it is just a Matt Southall sort of wee weeing in the wind a little bit, trying to see what will happen, or do, do you, I mean, do you fear it's a case that it, it, it might it, it might start to put off people like Peter Varney because you know d- d- does Peter Varney and Andrew Barkley really want to have to deal with a club that's got this this many issues? Although I guess you will say they already know about these issues anyway, and, and they still seem keen. But it, it certainly won't assist them if they are to take over the club afterwards. Well, he, he does love a, a letter from a solicitor, doesn't he, Mister Um The one which he sent off to um, the trust, which was literally sent back wrapped around a brick and telling him where to put it. Um, you know, and he's trying to, you know, did he threaten Jamie O'Hara with legal action and legal action, legal action? Oh no, he's 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 trying to bully people, and he's thinking, right, well, I'm going to be a pain unless you pay me off. And thinking, you've already had probably. You know, optimistically, a millionaire of a club in the three months you were there. Um, so where's that and what's that for? So, you know, you'd like to think that it could be, like they say, rigorously defended and, you know, he'd been holed up to 
be the um, manipulator of truth, I think, as he was. You know, it's we all remember on the, um, you know, we were under the embargo, which we didn't know, and there's him posting out pictures saying, oh, ready for a busy night, you know, in the transfer window, loads of big deals being done, and you're thinking... No, mate, you know, you, you, you've, you've been found out and you're trying to hide behind the solicitor's letter, you know, which they're going to look and go, you know what, anyone worth their salt would look at what you've brought and what you've done and gone, well, hold on a minute, you know, you you, you are exactly a snake oil salesman, you know, a fool in Belgium believed you and is going to bite you on the bum and that you should be actually paying us. Mm. So, but, you know, he does like his letters. Yeah, so. there's certainly accusations flying all over uh, all over the place, and, and and again, it's become confusing. I mean, I think Matt Southall still claims he's done nothing wrong, which is, you know, not 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 the way a lot of people see it, but um, it, it's certainly the, the the way he does. Right, I think we I think we should have a break here. We've, we've discussed enough uh, all the chaos that's surrounding the club. Hope, you know, who knows what, who knows where we're going to be again this time next week. By the time we actually get back to playing football, who's going to own the club then? Who knows? But we'll find out uh, in due course. Right, let's have a quick break. We'll be back uh, in thirty seconds here on Charlton Live. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's Charlie. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr. You absolute German beauty. Woo! Dream lads. Charlie has scored. With seconds remaining. We've done it all. Get in. Come on. What a time yes! to be here. Here at Wembley. Oh my word! Oh my word! Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is a lockdown podcast for you. Um, we'll, we'll probably just quickly delve into what's the plan going forward. Um, obviously, football's returning next Saturday. I think there's an outside chance I might even actually be able to get to the whole game. Uh, yes, it's uh, confused as that might be the only game I'm going to get to report on. But um, so you know, we're, as, as of next Sunday, we'll, we'll sort of be going back to doing post-game shows, and of course, we'll be playing twice a week. You know, mainly on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So there will be a, uh, in terms of the midweek games. So there will be a case of we'll be putting out a show after each game, not necessarily on the on the same day, probably the day after, um, to try and 
try and sort of look back at whatever's happened in, in each game. Uh, I haven't decided yet if we're doing one midweek this week. Uh, it depends on a few things. But if, if, we, if I get a chance, we will do a midweek show previewing the whole game uh, as well. But yeah, after as of next week, um, we're hoping to go back to two two shows a week to discuss each game as it happens. Uh, of course, if you if you look on the Charlton website now, there's there's some indication of how you'll be able to watch those games. Uh, the Millwall game's been, been going to be put on Sky, so that's going to be on Sky TV or as a season ticket holder, you'll be able to watch it on Valley Pass. Otherwise, um, I think all the games are on Valley Pass. Um, season ticket holders have got refunds in in their account which they can spend on watching the games on Valley Pass. That's the way I've read it. Um, but there's plenty more details on, on the club website there. So, I mean, it's great to think, guys, that in, in, in a few days' time, you know, whether it's at home or in the stadium, it, for, for some of us, we don't really know exactly yet. But we're actually going to be watching some football and it's such a relief tale. Um, and obviously part of that is, you know, was it last week or the week before we were discussing the, the fallout from the fact that Lyle Taylor's decided he doesn't want to play along with Chris Solly and David Davis. Now, overnight, there's been uh, sort of uh, a, a can of worms opened by the Sun, which implied the story might not be fully over in suggesting that Lyle Taylor had made a complete U-turn. Now, Lyle then said on Instagram to a fan that it wasn't true. But, I mean, trying to do a little bit of digging, I don't think it's quite as clear-cut as the story's not true, full stop. I've, by the sounds of it, I've, it, there does seem to be some sort of renegotiation going on. Uh, we don't know yet, but you know, I mean, we, we we may or may not hear what might happen. It's impossible to say he's definitely not playing now. That's not this. We're not in the situation we were a week ago in terms of that. I mean, what do you make of that, Tell? Well, if Lyle said no, um, then it's going to be very hard for him to go back and say, actually, <clears throat> I was only joking. Yes, yes, I am. Um, and where the story originated from, uh, the Sun, it was our, our friend Mister Nixon, who hasn't exactly been one hundred percent accurate with. <laughs> with this stuff about Charlton. He blocked me quite early on from Twitter when I uh, um, came back to him about something he posted on Lee Bowyer about Lee Bowyer leaving uh, before the uh, you know, before the end of the season, halfway through the season, before the whole pandemic. So I went, cause I went back and said, you, you clearly don't know anything because you, you clearly don't know Lee Bowyer and what he's, what he, what he's planning to do at Charlton. Uh, and he blocked me so <laughs> instantly. So I think um, he does tend to be one of these um, reporters that uh, that pees in the wind and, and hopes some of it actually hits uh, where it was intended. Uh, as soon as Lee, um, Lyle Taylor rather came out uh, virtually instantly and said no, albeit on Instagram too. I don't know who it was to actually. Nobody, nobody's quite sure. Just a I think. Yeah. So. Um, if he said no, then it's unlikely, isn't it? I mean, he wouldn't say no. I mean, if he'd either just not answer it if, if there was negotiations to be had in that respect. I can't see it happening personally. And plus, I'm assuming he hasn't been trying with the, with the squad because of uh, him not playing, or originally saying he's not playing. So I, would he uh, would he have time between now and next week to get up to speed with the squad? So he'd end up, by the time he's fit, his contract would be up anyway. Hmm. I mean, uh, Mark. If he does come back, if that is if that is what transpires, do you see that as a positive, or do you see that as a further distraction? Now, you know, all eyes are going to be on Lyle Taylor again because he's made this this big thing of not playing, and all of a sudden he's back. No, I, I see it as a total negative. Um, I don't think he's going to come back um, because you know if he, he was to give him a little credit and very little credit. He said to Boya. I can't give you 100% because I'm thinking of my move. 
now spot suddenly he's going to say well actually I can give you 100% and if I get injured and I'm going to lose my big move I'm okay with that that's not going to happen he's not going to about turn that fast um it's also it, and it's, I did talk about it last week I thinking if he did play for those three games and he doesn't go for a goal we, people are going to be going he could have got that you know he's not trying he's not trying and it's going to pay almost like a double negative effect it's not fair on the players who have gone back I mean you're going to play an interview with Chucks I mean and he he's looking tasty Was and then you're thinking fine I want Bond I want Green I want Chucks I want people who want to be here and want to try I mean a good example is look at Cullen you know he's not even our player and he's gone I want to play for the club if Lyle didn't want to play for us fine he's gone he's forgotten about he's he's a he's a sub bit on the bottom of a page somewhere I'm, I'm not going to join the Lyle Taylor show and say oh isn't it so great we get relegated we get relegated but we go rele- relegated with players who are trying who want to be at the club so it's not about him I don't think it's going to happen anyway I think like Terry said I think the guy's just throwing something out there you know me and be like I would be very surprised if Bowie welcomed him back with open arms because he's going to say well actually you know we've been planning without you and so, you know, you're not going to do it. Mm. So I, I don't expect to see him in a shirt. But Nathan, isn't Lyle Taylor too good a player to turn down in our current situation? Yeah, yeah, no, he's a good player. Of course he is. Uh, um, but I, f- I think for me, uh, I think that ship's already sailed, Lou. I, f- I mean, no one, no one, none of us are going to say that he isn't a good player. None of us are. And none of us are going to say that we're not a better team with him in it. But I think for me... Um, when he when he he made his choice and he's like you know he's made his bed now he can lay in it for me um, and listen I don't wish any ill feeling towards him like let, let him crack on because it's football at the end of the day but we I said on last week's show that my focus is now on the players and it has been and so has it been for Bose and we're planning without him for him to to come straight back in the team and unless he starts for me that's a big insult to the players because. There's going to be someone who's sitting on that bench who has said from the get-go, no, I'm playing. Look, like Mark just said, Josh Cullen, he didn't have to do that. He, he should be, he's going to be playing the Premier League next year, whether he's here or not. Do you know what I mean? So I just think it'll be a massive kick in the teeth to some of the players if Lyle just decides all of a sudden that he fancies it. And the thing is for me is if he, let's say he does go and do it, right? Mike, that's, that's suggesting to me that he hasn't got moves there because I was under the impression in my opinion, that he was doing it because he didn't want to ruin a big move because maybe he had something in the pipeline. Because if he then goes and plays, I don't think he's new club if he has one. They're going to be too impressed if he does get injured. So that's why I don't, I don't think it is. But listen, it's it's Lyle in the limelight and I know that's you know that that's his choice. But for me, I, I just think we should just, just ignore it and just focus on the ones that actually want to play for the club and going to give 100% which he said that he couldn't he couldn't promise both mm. well let's have a listen to what Lee Bayer has to say then now that Nathan's talking about focusing on players who are still here obviously um, as we were recording last week we sort of half mentioned the, the Arsenal game that was happening we were sort of sworn to secrecy to say we didn't really know it was happening but we did but anyway we lost that 6-0 but we got minutes in the tank which is the most important thing there was an in-house game uh, between the players uh, at the Valley in midweek uh, they're due to play full 
Fulham today. Um, I'm not entirely sure where, but again, uh, you're not going to hear anything official until after the game, but that was already put in the sun that we're playing Fulham uh, today. Um, so again, fi- final minutes into the tank before we head up to Hull uh, last week. So Lee Bowyer uh, spoke to Tom Rubichaud from the club uh, the other day after the in-house game, uh, and he was asked how the squad is progressing ahead of next week's game with Hull. All the teams are going to be a little bit rusty. We've got a good, we'll get a good idea on um, the weekend. When, when we play the weekend, uh, where we're at. But, um, yeah, from, from what I've seen in the short space of time I've been in, um, yeah, we're, we're, looking, we're looking in good, good shape. And things like this, I guess, games like this are important just in terms of that preparation for that first game against Hull. Yeah, it's, it's just about getting some minutes into them. That's, that's all these, these games are and getting them used to playing on that big area again, you know, and, and having a ball at their feet, decision-making and um, being in tight situations, being in attacking situations, defensive situations. So, yeah, it's all about them things, really. Um, so, yeah, like I said, a couple of things we need to polish up on between now and, uh, now and uh, Hull. But, you know, once we... We've got, what, 10, 12 days to do that. So uh, we'll be ready come then. We've still got plenty of time. And is there anyone, obviously, this is the second game now, is there anyone over the games or in training that's sort of particularly impressed, either from a footballing or, or physical point of view? Chuck for Nico. He's the first one that pops in my head. Yeah. Um, he's, he's stepped up. He's stepped up and uh, he looks good. He looks good. Um, fitness is still a little bit low. Chucks, that's, that's, I think that's always going to be a problem with him. We'll, we'll try and, uh, a lot of things with Chucks on the fitness side of things. And mm. we, we have to be careful with him. Um, unfortunately, his body is one of them, and them people with, who's, who's got a big body, you know, and you've got to carry a big body around. Yeah. That isn't easy, so we've got to manage that. But yeah, Chucks is um, definitely, definitely looking good. He uh, done very well against Arsenal the weekend. Mm. Could score two, three goals on another day. They keep on making great taste. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he uh, he, he looks a handful, and and, and the lad can play. You know. Yeah. 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 
page it, yeah? Yeah. Just seeing I him back out there. One that's been at the scene. He's been at the scene for a long time. and uh, Yeah, he's, he's looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess just... Just finally, and not that you're going to tell me the lineup, but you're starting to get a little bit closer in, in your mind to how you might look against Hull City, or is there still plenty of work for the players to do over the next week or so to, to impress? No, it's, it's, there's competition for places, so it can change from, from day to day, week to, to day, and I might have ideas, and then even today in that game, I change, I change things around and having a look at people with playing with different partners and um, so yeah it, it changes from day to day if, if, if people step up and, and come to the front and, and be noticed and do the right things then then they'll be playing I've told the players that but they're all going to play a part time because it's crazy the amount of games in a crazy amount of time Yeah, yeah. so they will all be playing at some stage 100% yeah. So we need them to get all of their fitness up the best we can. But it's in their hands. I've told them it's in their hands. Who wants to be the main people? Who wants to step up and be the main figures? So, but yeah, it's good it's competition for places. That's what we need. There we go. That was Lee Bowyer then speaking to Tom Rubichaud. Um And tell, I mean, he's, he's sounding positive, you know, and he was asked to pick out some of the players that have impressed him. Um, and, you know, he mentioned Chuck Sanike, uh, Aidan McGeady was in there, Sam Field, you know, all positive signs. Lewis Page being back was a, a good one as well. Um, you know, as we heard towards the end there, every player is going to be involved in, 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 some, in, in some way because there's so many games to be played in, in such a little amount of time. So absolutely everyone needs to be fighting fit and at the top of their game uh, for this incredibly unusual running that we're going to be in. Absolutely, and and you know you could look at it if you if you want to look at it coldly, uh, as well as uh, you know people. I think players want to play for Lee Bowie and, and Johnny Jason, and you just get the feeling that um, uh, Lee Bowie's often mentioned the journey that they're on, and that everybody seems to get it at the club. Well, most the ones that are still here anyway. Um, but even if they were, even even if you look at it coldly and you think, well, we've got nine games left. Each one of those players, especially the ones that are either on loan or coming towards the end of the contract, are playing for their futures. You know, regardless of whether they want to play with Charlton or not, and we get the feeling that most that are here do, uh, um, you know, you've got players that uh, want to impress, uh, especially players like Josh Cullen. Uh, you know, so, you know he's going to see how he's got an extension to the, to the end of the season loan uh, and wants to be here and wants to play. Even if it's only lip service, uh, it's, good, it's, a good, it's a great thing. And it is good, great professionalism because he knows that he needs to show people his qualities so as in the best case scenario we do get taken over we've got money to spend we buy him worst case scenario for, for him is that he impresses and somebody else picks him up by oh, the West Ham think actually this is too good a player to loan again we want him in our Premier League side so and all the players are going to be similar to that and and I think genuinely though um, I know I said look at it coldly but I do think genuinely this side that we've got this squad of players that we've got want to want to make sure Charlton stay in the Championship mm, yeah um you know, the, the importance, I mean, we'll talk a bit more about Chooks later, uh, Mark, because we've got an interview with him as, as mentioned. But, I mean, Aidan McGeady, someone who hasn't really impressed but apparently scored a good goal during midweek. Uh, players like this, if they can come out of their shell and, you know, we, where we've had this difficult second half of the season with, you know, in some cases with players not quite performing how, how we'd like them to. I mean, that, 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 that's the sort of boost we need going into these, these final nine games. 
It is. I mean, McGee's, you know, to be honest, it's been a disappointment since he came, but you don't know his level of fitness. Um, we know he's a, you know, he's, he's a quality-proof player. He's one of the more experienced players we've actually got in the squad. You know, he hasn't actually shown that yet, so possibly he's used the time off, as it were, to get himself properly fit. You know, it's almost like give himself a proper pre-season and then come back and look dangerous. And I think, you know, we've got so many dangerous players who, um, and you know, it's good to see Paige back. And you know, you yearn for him to have a run of games because you know he's a terrific player. You know, and you do you know, worry with him. But you know, you're thinking you, you want to see that kind of player, and you want to see McGee at full flight and putting in crosses and someone burying them. So we've got we've got a dangerous team. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, we've, if we can start picking some more goals up from midfield and all over the, all over the shop, we've got a very good chance. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you yearn for players who have been slightly disappointing to come good now. So, well, and uh, one player who I guess might fall in that bracket for some people is, is Chuck Sanike, someone who I saw a lot of potential in uh, at the start of the season. I remember away at Barnsley. Uh, he came on and changed the game away at Reading. He played very well. I think at home against Stoke, obviously, he got his goal and he looked decent. But then ever since then, he's never really looked fully fit and had a few disappointing cameos. But I was excited to see that he seemed to have a few chances against Arsenal uh, last weekend. Uh, and again, to hear that Bayer suggested that, that he's looking sharp so far. He was the name that came to mind immediately, as we heard there uh, in the interview uh, with, with uh, Tom Rubichaud. Um So Chucks is someone who I want to concentrate on now. And let's hear from him as well. Obviously, the former Arsenal man uh, played against his former club last week um, he's looking sharp at the moment and uh, he was asked again by Tom Rubichaud from the club how it feels to be back in training yeah it's been uh, it's been good you know obviously the corona you know period off was a bit, uh, a bit boring you know a lot of us were just at home we didn't have much to do so yeah, it feels good to be back and you know with the lads and just play football again perfect and what's it been like how are you doing fitness wise yeah obviously like I said we've been off but we were doing the runs uh, you know that the club set us uh, work to do off season or when we were off that period. So um, you know we were still trying to keep as fit as we could. But um, yeah, you know obviously it's a short kind of turn run. The game's coming coming very soon, so it's going to be tough. But you know we're going to stick together and you know do the best we can. And you've had a season with a few injuries. Are you feeling now sort of this breaks helped you get into a little bit of uh, sort of I guess rhythm in, in that side of things. Um, I'm, I'm definitely hoping so, you know, obviously, I can't know for sure, obviously, like I said, I've had loads of injuries and, you know, the break, it's kind of just, you know, we weren't playing football, so uh, there was no way to really get injured, but, uh, yeah, obviously, you just want to crush your fingers and just, you know, hopefully there's nothing around the corner for me, you just stay fit and play some football. And, and away from away from the sort of training during lockdown, do you manage to get up to much else? With, uh, any, anything you, any new skills? Um, to be honest, not really, you know. Um, nah, not really. A lot of it was just spent in the garden, just like soaking in the sun, really, if I'm honest. But yeah. It, the weather was very nice, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. <laughs> Get a chance to enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, you're, you're, you're back in training now. What was it like seeing, seeing the boys and getting back involved? Yeah, it was great. You know, the first day, you know, just catching up with everyone. And, uh, you know, it was kind of weird because you're with these boys all the time, every single day, and then you don't see them for a couple of months. So, uh, yeah, it was good to catch up with everybody. Perfect. And, and since then, uh, taking on Arsenal, what was it like for you as, I guess, a former Arsenal player to, to be at the Emirates? Yeah, it was really good, actually. And I really enjoyed uh, um, playing at the Emirates. I 
obviously I played it a few times, obviously coming up through the academy and things like that. But um, you know, it was really good. You know, I saw uh, my old uh, under 18s manager Steve Old and played against a few people that I played against. Oh, I I was there with. So uh, yeah, it was, it was it was good. Yeah. Which players were they? Which players did you did you play against or play with when you were younger? Well, uh, when I was in the youth team, we played with Hector Hector Bellerin and I think well Martinez, the keeper. Emiliano Martinez, so it was good to catch up with those boys, yeah. And uh, I think you've been, well, as your, as your kit shows, you've been in action again yeah. today. <laughs> how, how was it being back at the Valley? Yeah, it was good. Let's say well, we had like an in-house game, um, so you're trying to get fit and stuff. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. You know, it was tough, but, uh, we, you know, we're working hard to get back. We've got a game coming up very soon, so, you know, everyone's putting in work. Uh, and what are your aims for, for the rest of the season? Obviously, you know, the clear aim is to stay in the league, you know, it's clear for everybody to, you know, sort of push in to stay in the league. So, you know, that's what, that's what everyone's focused on at the moment. And a big game against Hull on June the 20th. I guess that's the focus of everyone at the moment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Obviously, everyone knows that our position table and their position table makes it a lot more interesting and you know that's a game that we you know we have to go out and set out to win like I said our aim is overall aim is to stay in the division so you know it's the game that we it's very important for us and Charlton fans have seen you play as the number 10 and as a and as a front in a front two as well do you have any sort of have you spoken much to the manager about um, where he might use you sort of in the in this running uh, not really I've uh, I'll be honest I've played in both positions uh, coming through or just in my career so I kind of you know uh, I don't really have a preference in which I play or whatever just wherever I play you know I try and do my best for the team and you know like I say try and uh, help and score goals or make assists really Chutsuniko there speaking to Tom Rubichaud from the club uh, Nathan a player who I mean I've always fought his corner um, I mean how, how do you see the season he's had so far Something um, is that he was a player that we never really had for a long, long time. Um, I mean, a lot of people see him as a forward. I personally don't. Um, whether or not that changes now, changes the dynamics of it, because now Lyle's not Lyle's gone. But saying that, we've still got Tomah, who's supposed to have turned up in good shape, um, and obviously you've got Macaulay Bond and Andre Green. Um, I just think he offers us something that bit different, sitting in that little hole, using his you know, using his power and, you know, his physical attributes. Um, I'm I'm glad that he's fit. I think there is something there and I haven't really seen him too much. I mean, he, had, he scored against Stoke and obviously played that, that, that cameo at Reading. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been disappointment, but I'm not, I'm not saying it's a disappointment because he's a poor player. I just think I haven't seen him enough as I would have liked. And probably, you know, like he probably said, and he's probably thought all season that he's not appeared enough, but sometimes injuries happen. But I think there's a player in there, and I think Mark touched on it. I think for me, Lewis Page is going to be such such an important player. I mean, we've got Adam Matthews who can bomb down, and then Poet and he's quite he's quite defensive, isn't he? So I think that's going to help. But with Chucks, I think it'd be interesting to see how Bowes uses him this year. Um, if he does play behind the two, I mean, if you think about it, if, you, if let's say you brought him on. 
and then we you know it's one all and then you've got defenders and then Chucks comes on and then you've got Macaulay Bond, Andre Green and Chucks and EK in front of her. There's not many teams that are going to enjoy that and he's an absolute unit and he so hopefully hopefully he kicks on because I really want him to do well because I've liked him when he was at MK Dons. He's, he's a very, very good player. Mm, excellent stuff. Right, so I mean obviously um, just before we, we, we close the show, Terry, um, we, we're going into this situation now where as we said, we know that there's not going to be any supporters there. Um, I think that there's hardly going to be anyone in the stadium in terms of media or anything. It's going to be a completely bizarre atmosphere, and the club have, have gone to try and change that a little bit this week by uh, uh, following the uh, in the footsteps of a number of, of other sides and giving fans the the opportunity to buy their own cardboard cutout <laughs> to stick in the cardboard end choir. Uh, so sat behind the goal in the north in in the uh, lower covered end, uh, twenty five quid. You can have you can have your picture on it. Um, Terry, are you gonna are you gonna take up that option? It sounds like a bit of fun. Um, you know, I might, but I won't. Be, it won't be a picture of me. Um, <laughs> I might. Uh, no, I, I'm thinking about putting a picture of the old man, um, so he can actually come back and see a game at the Valley, which, uh, uh, which will be, uh, I, you know, see him in crowd. It'll be, uh, be a nice touch. Yeah, what yeah. you end do with the cardboard cutout afterwards is a bit strange, but um, I think yeah, it's a great opportunity. I don't know if it's uh, 25 quid, maybe putting put some people off, because uh, I know they've done it in rugby before. And it wasn't quite so expensive, so there ended up people. There ended up people sending pictures of their pets. Um, so you had cardboard cars of cats, dogs, budgerigars, and all sorts of rabbits <laughs> behind behind the uh, behind the, well, the uprights, as it were, in, in rugby. So I know I think it's a, a decent idea. I think um, for me, as I say, I'm just telling me the idea of sending a picture of uh, my dad, um, uh, so as he can be back in the covered end again. Uh, or somewhere back in the ground in the valley yeah. at all would be great. <clears throat> uh, and I know a lot of people who have done it. So, I, yeah, I think, why not? It's it's a bit of fun. It's a nice uh, nice thing. You can't be there. If you can watch or listen and know that you're uh, you're actually there in, 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 in cardboard rather than in person, why not? Yeah, I think Oli mentioned that they're, um, they're, they're checking with Seb Lewis's family as well, if they'd be happy for the club to, to pay for uh, one one of Sebo as well, which would be nice. I mean, I know I know you wanted to get a Matt Southall one in there as well, Terry, though. Yeah, but I was unsure about the shape of the cardboard cutout, though. <laughs> uh, well, um, I don't know. <laughs> people can send in what they think the shape could yeah. be. Can they, can, can they get like a vinyl finish on it to, to make sure the head is really shiny as well? I mean, that's... That, that's the sort yeah. of thing. We, that's the sort of thing we got to worry about. So that would be. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't Mark mention snake oil? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be something nice to see anyway. Right, I think we should we should draw the uh, the show to an end here. Um, we've discussed everything that, that's gone on this week. Obviously, still a lot more questions and answers out there, um, but we've uh, we, we, we've tried to get to the bottom of it. So thanks to all of you who've listened. Uh, thanks to Terry, to Mark, and to Nathan for joining me on the show this week. Cheers, guys. Thank you. You're right. welcome. So I've been Louis Meadows. Thanks for listening. As I said, we're not entirely sure yet if we'll be doing anything in midweek ahead of the whole game. Uh, keep an eye on our social media pages uh, to find out that for certain or, of course, on your podcast feed. Uh, but if not, we'll definitely be back next weekend. It'll be on Sunday, of course, because the first game is against Hull on Saturday. Uh, I'm hoping to be at the game. But even if I'm not, we'll be covering the game in some sort of description on the Sunday, looking back at it. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some sort of reaction from, from managers, players or whatever as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the guys get back into action so thanks for listening I've been Louis Mendes and we shall see you at some point in the next few days